Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time, episode 27, we're going to talk about securing your van. We'll also talk about a free water pump installation, tales from the road involving auroras, a product review of the Amazon Fire HD, a place to visit called Salvage One, and a resource recommendation that you've probably already been annoyed by, Rock Auto. Let's go. Hey folks, welcome back. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it every time you hit play. That's my little reward for doing this, and I love it. So please keep that up. This time, we're going to talk about security, um, that is, securing your van. So not personal security, not like the big question, should you carry a gun or not, not that kind of thing. Specifically, the van and keeping people that you don't want in your van on the outside of your van. So this is kind of a top 10 list, but it's not really, it's just a list of things to consider and, and some thoughts that might help you think about how best to secure your van. Now there's two main reasons you want to keep people out of your van. The first is that you don't want them to break in and steal your stuff. That's probably the most common problem you're going to run into. The second is that you don't want them to steal your van. Arguably a bigger problem and actually one that's easier to solve and we'll talk about that. So the very first thing to consider is that you don't want to be a target. This is one of those times when having a stealth van is actually a real benefit. If your van is parked with five or six other vans or RVs or cars or whatever, don't be the one that stands out. Don't be the target. If you've got that plain white van that says Joe's Plumber on the side or something like that, you're probably going to get looked over, especially if you don't have windows in the back. If you can manage to have a van that's all metal in the back, it's just not that attractive. And if they look through that side window and they see maybe a Burger King wrapper and some papers laying about, but they don't see cameras or suitcases or anything like that, you're in good shape for not getting broken into. If you watch YouTube and you watch the channels of the, you know, the van life channels, a lot of them have been broken into. Combi Life has had problems. Trenton Alley have had problems. And there was another couple, can't remember who they were, but they were in a very small van. And what they would do is have their suitcases in the back. And then when they slept at night, they'd put them in the front seat so there'd be more room in back. And someone broke into their van while they were sleeping and stole their suitcases. What I do is, which is a little weird, is that I leave the front of my van intentionally messy. If I eat at a fast food place, I will leave the wrappers there at night. I will leave the half-drunk Diet Coke cup in the cup holder, and I never leave anything that looks attractive out there at all. I don't. There's no cameras. I will leave the cords... Like if I unplug my iPhone and there's a cord there, I will leave the cord because they will see that and say, oh, he took his iPhone with him. Darn it. There's no reason to break into this van. Because let's face it, the front of your van is going to have glass and there's really nothing you can do to keep people from breaking that glass. It's very easy to break a side window and fairly quietly. You don't need to throw a rock through it. One of the best ways to break glass is with a little piece of broken spark plug. That porcelain that spark plugs are made of, if it just touches the glass, it shatters and it doesn't make a lot of noise. So here I am talking about security and I've just said that, well, it's an illusion. It kind of is. If somebody wants to get into your van, they're going to, but don't give them a reason to. 
Let them look in and see nothing and then move on. Part of that is to separate the front and the back, to have them be two totally separate spaces. Now, if you're in a van with swivel seats, you're kind of at a disadvantage in this regard. You're going to kind of have your front be your living area. If you put up shades on your front windows, somebody's going to know you're in there, and that means that you've got good stuff. So in my van, I have just a curtain. My van's a, it's an NV200. As I've said 800 million times, it's a small van, and I can't have a permanent partition because there just wouldn't be enough space. I need the flexibility of the seats moving forward and backward and reclining and that sometimes encroaching on my living space and back and sometimes not. So I just have a gray thermal curtain from Walmart, plain old curtain back there. And um, unless you're looking close, you can't really tell. If you just look through the windows, it just doesn't, you just, it looks like nothing, which is the goal. And they can't see in the back. So far, I haven't had any problems. I've parked all over the country and I've never had anyone try to break into the van. So that has worked for me. But... Always consider that you don't want to leave anything laying out. And by anything, I mean even change. If you leave a dollar twenty-five and quarters laying out, that could be enough for someone to try to break in. So just keep that in mind. And obviously, I'm not telling you anything you didn't already know. Another thing to consider. When you are sleeping in the back, lock your van with your key fob. Now, remember that when you do that in a lot of vans, that's going to set the alarm. So if you try to open the door or if you actually rock the van enough, you might set off the alarm. So you have to vary this for your own particular circumstance. But what I do in my van is I sleep near the key fob. I have a a hook just for the key fob. It always goes there every time in the back of the van. And when I'm ready and done for the night, I will lock the van with the key fob from the inside. And that sets the van to be sensitive If anyone tries to open a door from the outside, that'll set off the alarm, and it makes sure all the doors are locked, and what it also does is make the little security light blink on the dashboard, so that's also another deterrent. So keep that in mind. The best thing you can do to keep people out of your van is to keep a dog inside your van. We've talked about that before, but dogs are the biggest deterrent for any kind of theft of your vehicle, unless it's a really cute dog and then maybe they'll want to steal the dog, but that's, uh, that's not that likely. Remember, thieves want in and out very quick. They want to grab your stuff and go. They don't want any hassles. They don't want any noise. Dogs are hassles and noise. Now, let's say somebody does get in your van, and of course, we don't want that. You've got things there that are valuable that you can't really hide. When Nate from Element Van Life on YouTube, uh, when his girlfriend got her van broken into, they stole her computer monitor that was bolted to the wall. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do to hide that. But there are things you can hide. You can hide your computer, for example. There's a bunch of places in a van where you can hide a computer. You can create a fake drawer, which I've seen someone do, where they have all the drawers have knobs, except this one. This one you got to push in and have it come out. So it just looks like a fake panel, but it's actually where the computer goes. Or you can have a slot in your mattress where the computer can go right in there. Uh, You can have a floor well where you can fit it, uh, or even in the walls. Just think about it. There is a place where you can hide your computer. Same goes for money. There are lots of places to put money. You can glue an envelope to the bottom of a drawer and keep cash in there. Thieves probably aren't going to find that, because remember, they're in a hurry. You can have a pocket underneath your mattress or even inside your pillow. Just don't leave it out. Most thieves are going to get in there and grab what they can and go right away. Cameras are a little harder because they're bulky, so I don't know what you're going to do about that. But remember this, 
there's money and there's stuff that can't be replaced. And if you're like going out there making YouTube videos or something, your data is much more important than your equipment. Usually you have spent more time and money making that footage than the equipment is worth. So consider if you can't hide your cameras, make sure you hide your SD cards. Don't leave your 40 hours of footage in the camera. If you're going to leave the van because then they grab both and not only have you lost your camera, you've lost all that footage and think about how hard it would be to get that back. All right. So let's talk about some things that will keep people from taking the van. So here's a few tips that I really like. One really simple thing you can do is to chain the steering wheel to the brake pedal. This serves a couple of purposes. First, it makes it so they literally can't drive the van away unless they can deal with this chain. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. Basically, you just need a chain and two locks. One lock goes around the steering wheel and the other lock goes around the chain that is tightly wrapped around the brake. And that's it. You're done. It's a little bit inconvenient to do all the time, but it is a pretty good solution. And it's also extremely visible from the outside. If someone peeks in and their intent is to steal your van, this will stop them. And yes, you can buy the club and all these other things, but there's actually ways to defeat them online. Now, if you looked on YouTube, like how to, how to defeat the club, you'd find videos showing you how, and a professional thief would see the club and say, oh, well, I can get past that. But if they see your janky chain set up, they don't know what you've done. And they're going to be a lot less confident trying to tackle that. Here's a simpler way to do it. Although it does not have the deterrence factor. In your fuse block, in your van, there is a fuse just for your fuel pump. And you can very easily put a switch on that fuse. And the switch can go almost anywhere. You can mount it on your dashboard and label it fog lights or something like that. Or you can hide the switch somewhere. Or I mean, there's a, a, a hundred different ways you could do this easily. And obviously I'm not going to tell you exactly which one, because part of this is that you don't want anyone to find that switch. But when that switch is off, your van will go <laughs> and it will not start because there will be no fuel going to the engine and uh, it's going to make people run away very quickly. So even if they had your keys, they couldn't steal your van. Now, of course, you can't stop them from towing, but something to consider that this type of a kill switch would be great if, say, you were leaving your van at an airport or something for a long period of time. I did see this really fantastic idea for securing a van so it can't be stolen completely. If you have a van with swivel seats, look down at your swivel, and it's basically just this plate. It's two metal plates, really, that um, to just rotate on top of each other, and they're bolted to a metal base. That's basically, it's very simple mechanism. And then there's a, there's a, a lock quote unquote lock that will keep it in place. So it doesn't swivel while you're sitting in it, which would be bad. But think about this. If you swivel that seat, so it's facing the back and then you put a padlock on it, you have made that van undrivable. So how do you put the lock on there? Well, I'm pretty sure on most of these, you could literally just drill a hole through the two plates of metal and just drop a padlock in there. And that would be enough. Or you could kind of do that and then put in a little black screw and people who weren't familiar with your van wouldn't know to undo that screw in order to turn the seat around. And that would completely prevent them from being able to steal your van. I think it's kind of clever and, and low impact. And uh, my van doesn't have swivel seats and they won't fit in my van. But if you have that, consider that. That's a really cheap, easy way to keep somebody from stealing your van.
One last word on on securing your van. You may have seen that uh, cargo vans, heck, your van may have come with this, have locks on the outside of the van. They're there's big round. They look like big hockey pucks that are metal that go on the outside of the van. These are pretty good at keeping your doors from opening, but there's a couple of problems with them. One is that you can only lock them from the outside. So if you're inside the van, they're not going to be very helpful. The other is that they will let somebody else lock you in from the outside. And I don't know why anybody would want to do this, but if you have those, those, they're basically two metal things with a hole and then this lock connects the two holes. If you have that on the outside, people can do crazy things to like lock you in your van. I, it's probably unlikely, but it's enough that makes me a little uneasy and I wouldn't want to do it. Also, it says, hey, there's something valuable in my van, and I put these big heavy locks on here so you wouldn't steal it. And, yeah, then they can go through the side windows of the front and get back there. So, anyway, a bunch of ideas to think about here, just kind of a hodgepodge of security ideas. I hope some of them will give you some ideas about how to keep your own van safer. But if you watch YouTube and see how people broke in and see what they take, it also tells you, you know, what you have to worry about. Chances are you're going to be fine, but yeah, if you watch most of the YouTube channels, the people who've been out on the road for a few years, almost all of them have been broken into. So not only should you try to prevent it, you should have a plan for what to do when it happens. Tech Talk. I'm going to give you guys a free water pump. It's called Gravity. All right, I know, I'm teasing. I'm not giving you a free water pump. Although I do have some free stuff to give away. I should probably do a contest. I have a free... I have a solar controller that I don't need that I could give away, and I have a thermoelectric cooler that I am not going to ever use, and I kind of don't want anyone else to use either. But it's in good shape, and I would give it away, so maybe I'll think about doing some kind of a contest or something. But for this, consider, if you're doing a really simple build in your van, you don't need a water pump. A lot of the van sites are like, oh, you got to have this water pump, and it's got to be this model, and it's got to have all these hoses in it. You don't need all that. You just need water to come out of a hole when you want it to. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to get a bucket with a spigot on it or buy one of those three-gallon water jugs that has the built-in spigot or one of those, you know, igloo things that you can mix up juice in and stuff. All you need to do is mount that over a bowl. You mount it over a bowl and then you turn it on and it's just like a faucet. It's exactly the same thing. And if you're thinking... Well, Jeff, that's silly. You don't want all that weight very high up in your van. I will say, you're right, you don't. So when you drive the van, you take it down and put it on the floor. And then when you stop, you put it back up there. The reason I'm pointing this out is that it's a way to get running water in your van for about $3. And it is actually good enough. My first van that, uh, I'm sorry, my first time I went out in my van when I hadn't had it build out, this is exactly what I did. I had a rack and I bought one of those, those three gallon water things. And that's where my water came from. And it was fine. No, you're not going to take a shower with it, but yes, you can wash your hands. You can fill a bowl. You can get water for cooking, you get water for drinking, and it completely works. So don't think you need to put in elaborate plumbing if you don't want to. A bowl is a sink. You don't need a drain. You can just toss the dirty water out into the street if you want, although I would think about that. Anyway, just a tip, just something to think about. And if you think it's a totally crazy idea, I will tell you that I have seen RVs that worked this way, where they had a water tank mounted over the sink. I'm talking about professionally made RVs. There's a water tank over the sink and a spigot. 
and then you would fill that tank from the outside in a hole. So, all right, they don't do that anymore. But at one time, some RV manufacturer thought it was a great idea. Tales from the road. Okay, folks, it's time. It's time. It's been 27 episodes. And if you listen to the earlier episodes, you will see that this word kept coming up. This word was Aurora. For some reason, I kept mentioning Aurora this and Aurora that, and never was I talking about the Aurora Borealis. I was always talking about places called Aurora. And it was weird, and I would tease you and say, all right, I'll explain that, but not now. I'll explain it later. Now is later. I'm going to explain it right now. I know you've been waiting with bated breath all this time. Or you've started listening to this in the middle of the episodes and you have no idea what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. In short, last year, 2019, after I finished building the van, I hit the road and visited every town or city or place in the United States named Aurora. Now, you've heard of some of these places. You've probably heard of Aurora, Colorado. You may have heard of Aurora, Illinois, or Aurora, New York, of which there are actually two. But I went to about 23 different Auroras. And it took me all summer, and it was interesting because I didn't have a plan. I didn't start the summer thinking, I'm going to go here, 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 here. What I did was I grouped them, and then I let the summer happen. And I knew that serendipity would actually find a way to take me to some of these auroras. And they were pretty far apart. Aurora, Oregon is nowhere near Aurora, North Carolina. And they're both kind of islands of Aurora. There's no other auroras around them. So getting to them was tricky, but it did happen. Now, part of the reason it was able to happen was that my job was to be a contract instructor for a disaster nonprofit, and they were sending me all over the country. And whenever they did, they would say, well, we'll get your plane tickets. And I would say, that's okay. I'll drive. And I would drive and hmm, suddenly drive through three or four auroras on the way to my training gig. That worked out pretty well. And sadly, one time it was because of a funeral. It was, I, a friend of mine died and I went to the funeral in Salem, Oregon, and that wasn't that far from Aurora, Oregon. So that's how I got there. That's the details. The impact of doing this was, was pretty pretty big. Um, I, I started to do this for a couple of reasons. And I know you're saying, why Aurora? I picked the name Aurora because I noticed that driving from Chicago to Denver, I passed through many towns named Aurora, and they were all drastically different. And I thought to myself, all the people who live in these towns are Americans. And they're also from Aurora. But they live in very different worlds. The difference between Aurora, Kansas and Aurora, Colorado, even though they're neighboring states, cannot be overstated. Aurora, Kansas has a population of 53. Aurora, Colorado has a population approaching 500,000. Aurora, Colorado is bigger than Denver, and it's going to take over Denver. Aurora will be the bigger city land-wise and ultimately people-wise because of how things are there. I partially did this because... Like most Americans, I see that we're so divided. There's, there's red and blue and left and right and conservative and liberal and country and city. We have all these ways of dividing ourselves. And I thought, I need to get some perspective. I want to see what life is like in all of these different extremes. And I figured that if I picked a name of a town and visited all of them, I would get that perspective. And I was right. Right. 
I saw amazing differences in what it means to be an American. And I saw a little bit of why the city and the country life are at such odds. There are different values there. Your neighbors look different. Your education is different. The information you're fed is different. And the truth is that I am still processing this trip. It took me most of the year to do this. I saw some things that were absolutely wonderful and met some of the kindest, most welcoming people I've ever met in my life. And I saw some really horrible things, mostly relating to racism, which sadly is... Actually, it's not sad that it is the topic now. It is long overdue that it is the topic now. And uh, one of the worst parts about this trip for me was that my first place I visited and my last place I visited were the most racist places. And that has stopped me from turning this into its own project. Eventually, I hope to turn this Aurora trip into its own separate podcast where every single place I visited will be its own episode. But I'm still processing it and... um. This country is very diverse, and that is usually a good thing, but in this case, there are times when it's a bad thing. And I have to figure out how to make that presentable and interesting and fixable. I haven't quite done that yet. So that's my tale from the road this time. Now you know why I kept mentioning auroras. There's a reason I visited all these auroras and had all these places to suggest you visit that were in auroras. That's because I have been to them all. Hey, resource recommendation, one that you're going to be annoyed by because I know you've, if you've watched TV, hey, maybe you don't watch TV. Maybe you just listen to podcasts. And if that's the case, I'm totally okay with that. But if you watch TV, you have probably seen ads for a company called Rock Auto. And they're usually animated with some really cheesy, weird animation with like this dancing shaggy character and this kind of pseudo rock band. And, and then you end up with that song stuck in your head and you're just like, why do I want an auto parts shop song stuck in my head? Well, I recently put shocks on my van. Well, there's a little bit of a story here. I went, I took my van to the dealer, which I do rarely, but once in a while I like to have the dealer look at it because they know things about recalls and stuff that independent shops might not know. And they said I needed rear shocks and they said they were leaking oil, which is a clear sign you need shocks. And I was like, okay, how much? And they said $510. And I was like, for the rear shocks only? And they said, yep, that's how much they cost. And I thought, that eh, doesn't seem right. So I then took the van to an independent shop and asked them for a quote. They told me $525. And while they were putting the van back together, because they were all, they were looking at the brakes and stuff too, I did a little quick Googling as to how much shocks cost for an NV200. And I was not shocked to learn that you can get a pair of shocks for as little as 35 bucks. But Amazon didn't really have what I wanted And then I was like, well, let's try Rock Auto because you know what? Advertising works. So I tried rockauto.com and I actually found the exact shocks I want. They're Monroe shocks. They're halfway decent. They're not super special or anything, but they're decent shocks, OEM quality. And they were 75 bucks for the pair. And I thought that was reasonable. And what I really, why why I want to tell you guys about Rock Auto, and I'm not being paid for this. This is not a paid endorsement. It's that I love their website. 
They've gotten rid of all the fancy stuff, and it's just very, very simple text where you put in the name of your vehicle, the model, what part you're looking for, and it's just all there in a big list. Very, very simple. I had a good experience with Rock Auto. I will be looking to buy things from them again, and maybe that'll be useful to you. But tell you what, I replaced my shocks. It took me an hour to replace my shocks. Now, if I had had the right tools, it would have taken me 15 minutes. But I saved 450 bucks doing it. If you have a front-wheel drive vehicle, you can change your own shocks. I'm pretty sure about that. So here's a place to visit that is actually in Chicago, where I live. Chicago is not a great place for vans. It's not the most horrible. Uh, there is, There are places to park in the city in a van that are quasi-legal. You have to get away from the downtown and head into the industrial areas or into the neighborhoods, like the neighborhood I live in, which is on the northwest side of the city. There are lots of vans parked on the street. But it's not great because the streets are swaled, so your van will be tilted, and uh, it's loud. You know, it's a city. So Chicago is a little bit tricky for a van, but it can be done. And if you are brave enough and want to explore Chicago, I, uh, I'm going to recommend a place to visit. There's tons of great places to visit in Chicago, but this one's a little different. It's called Salvage One. Salvage One is actually the name of an old TV show with Andy Griffiths, if you can believe that. But um, that isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this architectural salvage store that is an old warehouse that you go in. It has several floors, and they sell stuff that they have rescued from old buildings. And so you can, like, they like they have a door room. It's a room filled with doors, hundreds of old doors of all different kinds. And they, they have all kinds of old antique furniture and bars and all this stuff. And they've also turned it into a party space. You can actually rent this place out, and the merchandise is used to, to decorate the space. I put on a big party there for Atlas Obscura years ago, and it was a lot of fun. But you might think, but Jeff... What does this have to do with vans? Well, it does have a little bit to do with vans. First, it's a fun place to visit, and it's a store, so, you know, it's free. It's like going to a museum for free, and there's a lot of brew pubs and, and coffee places in the neighborhood. But they sell weird little things, and if you were looking for, like, an object to center your van around, like maybe a weird lamp or an old ashtray or one of the things they do is they save letters off of buildings. So let's say you wanted to spell out the word van in vintage letters. They would have the letters. They might even have neon letters or an old Art Deco clock, all that kind of stuff. So it's cool and it's a store. And if you were looking for like just a really cool object to kind of center the decor of your van, if you care about such things, not everybody does, but some people do, Salvage One might be a place to look at. I love going there. I, I go there just for fun. I don't buy things there very often, but sometimes I do. <laughs> sometimes I just have to have this one object. So that Salvage One, it's in Chicago. I'll have a link in the show notes. You can just search Salvage One Chicago in Google and you'll find it. But definitely worth checking out. It's a fun, offbeat place that a lot of tourists miss. And you can spend a good hour there and take a little bit of a walk back in history. All right, product review. It's an interesting thing I just discovered here. So I inherited a, an Amazon Fire HD8. 
which is a tablet. It's like an iPad, but it's made by Amazon, and it's in their Fire brand, which means it's basically an Android tablet, but they've kind of put their own software on it, which can be annoying sometimes. But I have told you before that I am an Alexa junkie. I love Alexa, and this thing has Alexa built in. Not only does it have Alexa built in, it has the Alexa Show uh, built in. And let me explain what that is. There's a bunch of different models of Alexa, but there is a video version of Alexa that is called Alexa Show. And the tablet has the software for that built in. So everything the show can do, the tablet can do. The tablet costs about 80 bucks. The show costs about 250 bucks. So this is actually kind of attractive. And what's nice about this for a van is that this tablet is a relatively low power usage device. It's a small tablet and you can mount it in your van and have Alexa there with you. So anything you can tell Alexa to do would then be just part of your van, including things like Alexa, watch the Jetsons on Netflix and it would just do it. Or if you wanted to get really fancy, you could put in smart home devices in your van, although I don't think that's a great idea. And you could say, Alexa, turn off the lights or whatever. Um, but it also works with like ring cameras. So if you had a ring camera on the outside of your van, you could say, Alexa, show me the ring camera. And it would actually be like a, a security system that would work. All you need is power. And a lot of the ring devices actually work off solar. I know there are security issues with Ring and not everyone's a fan, but anyway, if you like Alexa, the Amazon Fire HD tablet is pretty decent. It's not as fancy as an iPad. The screen is nice, but it's not super great and the sound is just okay. But for me, it's, it's like my own little portable Alexa that I can bring anywhere. Plus it has another cool thing. And that is that if you have a GoPro or if you're shooting footage for video, you can pop out the micro SD card and then stick that into the fire and review your footage like live on scene. And that is actually super valuable. Best of all, this thing is 80 bucks. If you lose it, it's not the end of the world. If you got an iPad pro, it can be like a thousand dollars. You don't want to lose that. This thing, yeah, you'll be sad, but it's not the end of the world. So Amazon fire HD eight, there's a bunch of different options. I will have a link in the show notes, but consider that. Consider the idea of mounting a tablet permanently in your van and what new options that might give you for van life. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to this episode 27. I super, super appreciate you being here. We're going to look at doing a few little experimental things in upcoming weeks here, so uh, please bear with me. And uh, if you can let me know what you like and let me know what you don't like, you will have a lot of influence on what appears on this show. Music, as always, is by Simon Wag, a.k.a. Sir Mooj. And remember that these are tough times. The one thing you have to offer everybody else on the entire planet is kindness. Please do.